We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Pure Gold is live on the air for this Wednesday night, September 12th, 2012. Welcome once again to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe B, and my tag team partner and co-host seated across from me is DG. Dave, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous today. Ready to get another amazing Pure Gold episode underway, folks. If you'd like to be a part of the show, make sure you check out the greatest show ever. PureGoldPG.com is the website. You can call in, of course, at our number, which is 714-364-4721. And, of course, when you do check out the website, you can look at our Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube, and all that other goodness. Jay? Thanks, DG. And thanks to all the, what, 800, over 850 listeners from last episode? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, the listeners are back up, doing good, excited about that. Um, you're throwing out these numbers. Uh, we're going to have to talk to the lawyer about this afterwards, but uh, good stuff, sir, good stuff. That, that's right about the accurate number. I'm not making it up, folks. But seriously, if you want to be part of the show, like DG said, 714-364-4721. Tonight on the program, week one of the NFL is complete. We will be breaking down the locals. We'll be talking about some of the games, some of the marquee games besides the locals. We'll get into some baseball as we wind down the season. Only about 21 games, 22 games left. How will the Yankees be doing in the next three weeks? We'll also be talking to Josh Eisenberg, a longtime friend from WrestleZone.com, talking about some serious stuff, uh, unfortunately, about Jerry Lawler's uh, heart attack this past Monday on Monday Night Raw. And we'll talk about Night of Champions and some other nuggets along the way. Yesterday was the 11-year anniversary of 9-11. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And finally, we'll be introducing a new segment, sir, on PG, Pure Gold, a They Stink segment. And I, I think it's going to go relatively well, considering we are very negative, and uh, we can always find somebody that really stinks. Of course, of course, and uh, we're, def- <laughs> we're definitely excited about that, sir. It's going to be an awesome segment, as far as I'm concerned. Good. So, sir, about a week ago, the New York Giants, the Super Bowl defending champions, opened up the season on Wednesday night because Obama wants to talk on Thursday night. So the Giants, I believe that Obama is probably a main reason for this, but the Giants came out, played a little flat, to be honest with you. The first half was pretty close, but um, in the end, the Dallas Cowboys were able to come in to MetLife. Well, let's, let's, let's really call it what it is. They came at the Giants Stadium because... We know that the Jets just share the home of this new stadium. It's called Giants Stadium as far as I'm concerned. Came in and didn't put a whooping on the Giants, but they made a statement, sir. They came in, they beat the Giants. They haven't beaten the Giants in, I think, at least the last seven tries. They came in. Eli Manning looked, you know, he looked on and off. Victor Cruz made some drops. The the Dallas Cowboys came in, got an important victory in my book, and uh, I want to know your thoughts because you are the Giant fan. Well, sir, I think that, you know, you pretty much said it. Uh, Victor Cruz did have a couple of drop passes, the most he's ever had in a game, actually, from what I from what I understand. You know, Eli was throwing the ball. He overthrew, uh, I believe it was a Hickson in the end zone, or towards the end zone. But, you know, for the most part, Eli looked sharp, I'd say. Romo was a little bit better. You know, uh, the, the Cowboys' running game was just was unstoppable. The giant defense was terrible. The O-line wasn't doing good. Uh, but the defense, really, with all the holes, with Canty being out, with uh, Mr. Terrell Thomas, who's probably his career probably over with the Giants, uh, these guys all being out. 
It's kind of like, what do you expect? I, I didn't. I thought the Giants would do well. I did pick them to win, obviously, because I'll never pick against my team. But when you look at the overall scheme of the game, when you look at the overall, uh, you know, the the factors that played into it, Giants looked terrible. I, I watched uh, all of the second half and some of the first half, and there wasn't there wasn't a time where I thought the Giants were going to win that game. There wasn't a time where I thought the Giants looked good. Maybe a series. Uh, there was a big play downfield. The Giants ended up scoring a touchdown on a little little uh, pass. I believe it was a short pass to um, uh, Mr. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw. But you know, for the most part, the Giants just didn't look good, sir. They they looked awful. Tom Coughlin, and I'm very surprised because Tom Coughlin is a guy that really takes pride in prepping his team, getting his team ready. He actually came out and admitted that his team wasn't prepared. I mean, is that? A um, a thing of concern, or you think it's just a one-time thing? I mean, what do you think? This team has the tools defensively and with Eli Manning to make another run at the title. Um, but to have Tom Coughlin come out after Week One and say you're not prepared, I mean, you had all preseason to get ready for the Cowboys, and to make that statement, I thought that was just a lame excuse. I agree with you, sir. Um, I'm I agree with you 100. I'm surprised that Coughlin would say that. I mean, the cough, as I like to call him. Um, you know, the Giants, uh, what can you say, sir? They just looked bad from head to toe. They, they they weren't firing on all cylinders. I think I agree with, uh, I don't know if it was Craig Carn or one of the guys in the morning show, I think the Giants are going to smash the living crap out of the, the Bucks this week. I think they're going to stomp them out as a new, you know, was it uh, live with Kelly and Michael Strahan, uh, as he would say, former New York Giant great. Um, I mean, my money would definitely be in the Giants this week to bounce back. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Again, as a fan, but realistic as a football fan, the Giants are going to go are not going to start the season 0-2 in no way, sir. Well, I'll be honest with you, sir. Uh, if the Giants don't blow out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today, uh, this week, um, then then I'll, I'm going to be worried if I'm a Giant fan because this has to be one of those statement games. You lost the first game, okay. You came out a little flat. You're the Super Bowl defending champions. You had a little letdown. But now, week two, it's time to get into you know it's time to play seriously. It's time to get into business. I think if you don't win like forty-two to seven or forty-two to three, <laughs> then I'm concerned if I'm a Giant fan. This has to be your statement game to the NFC East that we are the defending Super Bowl champions, and the Super Bowl and the division goes through us, sir. Because you look at the other teams, Washington on the road beat the New Orleans Saints, impressive. You have the Philadelphia Eagles that barely got by the Cleveland Browns, but they are still one to zero. And who am I missing? Oh, that's it. That's the Cowboys did play the Giants. So every other team is one and zero, sir. You're all one and already down one game in the division. So you better make a statement this week and take care of business. I agree with you, but even if they were to go on two, I'm not going to start you know, pressing the panic button simply because you know Giants tend to start off bad and then and they close out strong. So I'm I'm excited about that. I, I, there's no doubt, sir. I'm not I'm not going in here. You <laughs> hold know. up! Hold up! Hold up! <laughs> Giants go 0 2, sir. There's really cause for panic. Think about the team Two that they're games. playing. They're, they're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their season gets much harder. They still got to play the teams like Green Bay Packers. They still got to play the Saints. So, sir, don't give me this this BS about <laughs> you're not going to be concerned. Woo! Teams that go 0 2 rarely make the playoffs. I don't have the stats in front of me, but no, I know you're right, sir. And as I'm looking at the stats here for this last game, folks, check this out. The total yards for the uh, for the Cowboys 433 to the Giants 269. Uh, the Giants did have less penalty yards. They had less almost by 10 minutes. They had less time of possession. There was only one turnover on each side, but man, you know, Romo had almost 100 yards passing more than uh, Eli. He had two touchdowns more than Eli did. 
Um, you know, I mean, Amar Bradshaw was the, the leader in, in yardage at 78. I mean, the, the, the Giants like terrible. Kevin Ogletree had a great game, by the way. I'm sure the fantasy uh, the fantasy draft people are, are going nuts with him. You know, Des Bryant looked good. Uh, Mr. DeMarco Murray rushing, was just whipping people left and right. I mean, he he looked great. So um, I'm telling you, sir, I think that uh, a back to back and a belly to belly. Sorry, I, I did make a mistake earlier. It was not a pass to uh, Ahmad. It was a it was a pass. You know, he ended it off. It was a rushing touchdown. But sir, Giants are gonna win, no doubt about it. That would be my lock of the week, as it were. Yeah, I think that's trademark. So we'll hear from our lawyers after that. Oh, of course. <laughs> but I agree with you. The Giants, I think, will not only outpass, outrun, they'll play defense, they're actually going to probably I'm going to make a prediction here and I don't want this to happen, but I think that they're going to knock out the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, Mr. Jay Freeman I, I just think that uh, the Giants are going to come in hungry they're going to come in rabid this is not a game for Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, Tampa Bay is next on the schedule. They're going to come in. They're coming to come into a bandsaw. The Giants are going to win. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go 38 to 10, and I think that's uh, putting it mildly. I mean, you could uh, they Giants could definitely run up the score up to 45 to 55 points uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Especially Why stop there? Why not just 95 points? Eh? Maybe you never know. The Giants are going to come out and win. I just think that they have too much talent, too much pride. They are definitely going to do it. So. You got the, the 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 review of the Giants Cowboys, and you got the preview next week. We turn our attention now, sir, to the other football team, the New York Giants, uh, the New York Giants, <laughs> the New York Jets, who uh, had an impressive victory over the Buffalo Bills. And I'll be honest with you, as a Jet fan, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna say I'm cautiously optimistic. They beat a team that they, I think they were supposed to. Um, even though their preseason really sucked, they they didn't have, they didn't show anything on offense. The Jets clicked on all cylinders, offense, defense, and even special teams, sir. They came out and put a whooping on the Buffalo Bills. Well, when you I forget what your prediction was last week, but did you think the Jets were going to completely obliterate the Bills like they did? No, I thought that it would be a close game, and I didn't even know if the Jets were going to win based on what their, their, uh, their preseason was. So for them to come out and blow out the Buffalo Bills, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Now, you're 1-0. Give me your thoughts. Uh, how do you feel about the Jets? Is it just one game, or you think that this may be a good start, or are you tempering your enthusiasm with the fact that it was the Buffalo Bills? It was just one game, sir, one game, and that's all it was, at home against the Buffalo Bills. Um, maybe I'm being pessimistic, but the true test will be this week when the Jets travel to Pittsburgh, the home of the Gotham Rogues. See, I got another Dark Knight reference in there. You're a scum. You're yeah. a pure scum. Where the Jets go in and play a team that lost, unfortunately for the Jets, I think, sir, the Denver Broncos beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football, and I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers, just as rabid as the New York Giants, are, the Jets are going to run to a bandsaw, and I don't see how the Jets walk out of uh, Heinz Field with a victory. I think that the the Cow- um, the Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are just going to do everything right. They're going to make sure that they run the ball down the throat of the Jets. I just think that the Jets' offense doesn't have enough um, to score points against this Pittsburgh defense. I think that the Jets are going to have trouble this week. It might be a low-scoring game. Uh, if the Jets pull it out, it's going to be one of those 16-13 games. But I'm going to go on record and make my prediction as a realistic fan and say that the Jets will lose 20-14. to 14. Okay, now um, I didn't watch the Jets game, so you're gonna have to uh, brief me. Uh, the Jets scored a ton of points, as it were, 
Who was looking good in that game? Who do you think that may be a key for victory if the Jets do win this week coming up? Well, the perfect the person that came out smelling like a rose was Mark Sanchez. All the pressure in the world was on Mark Sanchez this past week with Tebow staring down his throat. Uh, literally staring down his throat? Literally. Uh, Sanchez was uh, played a perfect game. He had one interception in early on in the game, and you thought that this and was... it wasn't a perfect game. No, it wasn't. Right, but you would think that this would shake his confidence is what I mean, sir, and it didn't. He was able to come back and throw three touchdowns and um, just threw for 266 yards, had a great day, threw the hill a lot, threw the curly a lot, and I, they even had a, a punt return for a touchdown. So the Jets really did no wrong. I know that the Buffalo Bills scored 28 points to, to end the game, but that, that's all uh, garbage time. The Jets were up 41-7 to at one point, and that's when, I guess, garbage time sunk, sunk in and it you know, took over 48-28. But the Jets really dominated that game from start to finish. Um, I just think that it's a great win for as a Jeff fan. I just think that you got to be cautiously, if, at best, cautiously optimistic, especially that they play Pittsburgh this week uh, at Heinz Field. Right. So I'm looking through week one, sir, and other key games. Um, the one game that I watched after the Jet game, and I thought it was a really good game, was the San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. By the way, the San Francisco 49ers are my wife's team, and they came out – by the way, after week one, they came out to me being the dominant team in the whole NFL. I thought they played great defense against Green Bay in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, the NFL MVP from last year, the current reigning MVP, made Aaron Rodgers look silly, just like the Giants did back in January. Uh, but the San Francisco 49ers, what a great defense they had last year. They carried it into this year. And now uh, Alex Smith has some t- uh, weapons. Randy Moss looks like he's uh, 25 again, sir. He's catching passes, and their offense is clicking now. Wait, so, Randy Moss is on the uh, is on the, the 49ers? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yes, he's on the 49ers. <laughs> when I saw Moss, I thought we were talking about Santana Moss or Sinard Moss, but not Randy. No, but, yeah, seriously, we do have seriously. Randy Moss on the Wait, 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 did you say we? Are you, are you trying to claim the, the 49ers now? So what are you, one, of those, one of those guys who has a team in the AFC and a team in the NFC just in case one team goes bad? No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that's my wife's team, and that's why I said we. That's a, a Freudian slip, folks. I am definitely not a 49er fan. I just want to point out the fact that the 49ers are the dominant team after week one. I know it's only week one injuries, and many things will happen along the way. But if if healthy, I don't see how. And I made the mistake about this, folks. Uh, DG, I'm surprised you didn't catch me on this. I actually predicted the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. But uh, the way Green Bay played yet, uh, there, goes, there it goes, folks. <laughs> One week into the season, and he has already abandoned his pick for the Super Bowl. You, sir, are an absolute phony. <laughs> That's right, I am, because Green Bay Packers, they showed me that they didn't prove anything in the offseason. They they might have a good offense, but their defense was, was very suspect, especially at home. Uh, you're going to make a statement if you're Green Bay Packers. You went 15-1 and last year, and then you had San Fran come in and put a whooping on you. So I think San Fran, if healthy, is going to be your NFC representative for the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they actually might play the Giants again, but uh, San Fran will come in looking strong again if they stay healthy. So... Other games, we had the the debut, sir, of Andrew Luck in uh, in Chicago, but they didn't win, so uh, unfortunately. Not much luck there. Not much luck there, and, you know, other games that I'm looking through, the the big game was the return of Eli, um, Peyton Manning. The return of Eli Manning, yes. Yeah. Eli returned off of a vacation. <laughs> yes. 
Sunday night, Peyton Manning returned and really delivered his team what I thought was a pretty big, pretty big victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They came back and won 31-19. Did you catch any of that game? I was able to see some of the highlights, and you know that I'm the favorite guy that I have my team. That's the only team that I root for players on that team. But Peyton is my favorite football player, amazingly enough, and he is a hell of a football player, and it's a great team come back and, and do so well. Peyton Manning, let me ask you this, sir. <laughs> Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, how many different commercials do they have nowadays on TV? Uh, no, not enough. I mean, if you've ever seen the, the Peyton Manning United Way commercial, <coughs> excuse me, that to me is pure gold. That is the greatest commercial I have ever seen. And the one thing I like about Peyton versus Eli, other than the fact that he's more of a prolific pastor, but let's be honest, Eli is the, the bigger winner. Um, I love, I love his sense of humor, his personality. Eli doesn't have that. Although I do like the Eli Manning commercial where uh, I forget what it is, but he, the guy's trying to start his lawnmower. I don't know if you've seen that commercial, but the guy's trying to start his lawnmower, yeah, yeah. and Eli comes in and he just stares at it, and eventually it starts, and yeah. gives the guy a shirt or whatever, and just drives away. And the wife looks like, oh, that's a real man. <laughs> that is a great commercial. Doesn't the guy say something to the effect like, I can't believe Eli drives a Toyota? Oh yeah, and the wife is like, oh, that's a real man. He goes, hey, what? <laughs> That's great stuff. So other games um, that I thought was interesting, the Washington Redskins with RG3, sir, go into New Orleans without, you know, Sean Payne as the head coach, but they go in and put a whooping on the New Orleans Saints. I thought that was very interesting to see the Washington Redskins put up a 40 spot against the Saints in New Orleans. Um, is that you think that's signs to come, or do you think Washington is a flash in the pan? I don't think Washington is a flash in the pan. I think RG3 is the man. And I think he's going to do some uh, some good stuff there. Now I don't, I, mean, I don't know if he's a man, but uh, I think that Washington will be better than than some people may think, sir. But um, uh, I, you know, I do believe that the uh, Los Los Gigantes may be in for a little bit of a, of a fight with the uh, with the Washington Redskins. It is surprising to see them go in there and whip the the Patriots, not the Patriots, <laughs> your favorite team, yeah. to whip the uh, what what the hell are they call the Saints. Uh, the Saints. Sorry, I'm thinking of Sean Payton. You know, without their uh, their coaches, et cetera, et cetera. But it goes to show you that you do need leadership, and Drew Brees may not be able to get the job done. It is only one week. Don't want to jump off the bus, the bus. But uh, you know, we'll see where this goes. But nobody predicted that the the Redskins were going to go in there and win. Sir, absolutely nobody. Nobody. And two teams of the AFC that are uh, powerhouses in my book. The New England Patriots went into Tennessee and put a whooping on them, 34-13. And they have the team that probably will represent the AFC if they stay healthy. The Houston Texans, they put a whipping on the well, the Miami Dolphins, but let's just say that um let's just say that the Miami Dolphins are gonna go one and fifteen and uh that will be uh no skin off my back. <laughs> Looking at week two, now that we have a Thursday night game every week this year, we have a Thursday night game tomorrow night, sir. The Chicago Bears go into Green Bay. Another where I feel that Green Bay needs to make a statement, they are 0 and one, they lost at home. The Chicago Bears come in one and what do you think about this game? Do you think that Green Bay turns it around, or do you think that Chicago will lay another beatdown on Green Bay? I would love it if uh, Laura, uh, one of our, our guests, was oh, yes, yes. she's a huge Bears fan. Not Bears, but I do think Green Bay will turn around. Uh, I think that Green Bay will win the game, but that probably means that I'll be wrong and they'll lose by 45 points and Aaron Rodgers will quit and you know be done forever. These teams that went 0-1, like the Giants, like I said, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'll even include the Green Bay Packers. These are the teams that are going to be very upset. They're going, to, especially the teams that are at home. The, you look at the Green Bay Packers and the Giants. These two teams are going to put statements up. I think that Green Bay is going to actually 
put a big whooping on Chicago. People think that Chicago actually come in and beat Green Bay quite handily. Um, I don't think I don't think so. I think Aaron Rodgers is an MVP for a reason. He threw for 45 touchdowns last year, only six interceptions. I think that it's going to be a good game. I think Green Bay wins that game. But it's the marquee game of the week, along with our two picks. DG has the Giants. Oh, but you didn't you didn't give me a pick on the Jet game though. Um, who are the Jets playing again? At oh. Pittsburgh. The Jets will lose the game. They will lose. Uh, same score as you. They'll lose 21 to 10. How about that? Sir, um, I, I have to cut you off for a second. I see we have a caller online, but before we get to this caller, uh, I saw something on Twitter. I'm not sure if this is confirmed, but it looks like Jim Calhoun, the coach of the Connecticut Huskies, is retiring. And uh, it's all over the, the the AP. It's all over the wire. So it looks like this may be it, sir. His career may have come to a close. I just had to... Uh, I have to throw that out there because that is big news, and normally on our show the big news happens afterwards uh, when we're off the air or right when we hang up, you know, a la many things that have happened over the years, but I uh, had to throw that out there. Yeah, I don't know if it's surprising or not. Uh, he's won a couple, maybe three or four um, national titles, and I think he's been battling cancer over the last couple of years. I just think he's probably worn out physically and maybe mentally, but uh, unf- uh, Jim Calhoun, unfortunately, retiring. Exclusive on PG. Yeah, absolute, uh, absolute exclusive. And I'm actually going to look get our producers to look sure. up how many national titles he has won. Sure. I mean, you know, Jim Calhoun, I see here he's 70 uh, years old, so he's he's an old, old three NCAA Division One tournament championships, uh, four and four Final Fours he's been to, seven Big East tournaments. I mean, he's had a hell of a career, sir. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, the College Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy is a man. He looks a lot younger than 70, but that's uh, that's besides the point, sir. Now I know that uh, the caller, this is someone who is uh, is a big friend of the uh, a big friend as it were. I don't know, a friend of the program, but someone who is a huge um, Giants fan and a huge Mets fan. So uh, we may be talking a little baseball with her, but I'd like to welcome to the program Michelle, who joins us all the way from somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania. Michelle, how are you? Hi, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Now, Michelle, I know from talking to you on Twitter, again, one of my favorite uh, tweets, as it were, you suffer as a Mets fan, and you're also a Giants fan, as I previously mentioned. So let's start with the Giants first. Uh, care to give us a couple of thoughts on the game this uh, this past Wednesday? We opened up the show discussing that, but, you know, for you, we'll go right back to it. Well, um, on Wednesday's game, um, I thought the Giants played horrifically. I thought their defense could is much better than they played and was very depressing. And Did you come out of your house I, all week? I mean, were you that depressed? I was very depressed. You know, I have a couple of Cowboys fans at work. I told them I don't like them anymore. <laughs> they're not allowed to talk to me. You shouldn't like them ever. They're a Cowboy fan. You're a Giant fan. Well, I'm sorry, what? I said you shouldn't like them ever. You're, you're a Giant fan. They're the hated rivals. So just the fact that they beat you doesn't mean anything. You should just hate them either way. Just my two cents. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't know. I think Victor Cruz needs to step up his game. I don't know how he's going to play this week because of you know the passing of his grandmother. Um, right. Oh, he's going to pass away. Right. Yep. So I don't know if that's going to motivate him or if he's going to be somewhere else on Sunday. So we'll see. Um, we need him to step up his game. I mean, I think Eli did what he could do. I mean, and I think. Tuck and JPP and OC, they need to step up their game still. That's a good point. I mean, the defense would look like Swiss cheese. 
And uh, I did, you know, the, the, my biggest concern, and I'll mention this now uh, since you're, we're discussing this, that my biggest concern for the team is their cornerbacks. Corey Webster is not a number one. Uh, you know, Giants basically have like their fifth string cornerback at the end of the game who was in there, you know, playing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the Giants are going to do about that. I don't even know if they can do anything or who they can go out there and get. But that is going to be a season-long concern for me. I, I do hope they get healthy now. Can you give us a prediction? Do you think that, you know, if, if things do go well, give me give me a score of the Giants this week against the Bucks. I mean, I think that they're going to blow the Bucks out. But uh, let, let, let's get your take on it. I'm either I'm going with like 28-17, 28-10, something around there. Okay, so uh, so you're, you're not of the you're not of the mind from the Giants are going to go out there pissed and score like uh, 45 points. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't. Oh. I don't. I I don't think we're going to get that many. Uh, I think 28 is about what I'm thinking. No, that, that's fair I enough, Laura. Uh, uh, sorry. Either, so. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, definitely. Good, so. I mean, hopefully, hopefully Eli will have a good game. I mean, like you said, I thought he did what he could do. Now, uh, let's shift our attention over, if we could, for a second to your beloved New York Mets. I'd say yours oh, because no. I, I pretty much, I've pretty much disowned them. Now, um, you know, Joe and I on this show, I know, I know you've heard it before, we like to rip the Mets to no end. I believe that we are absolutely justified in doing that. But give us your take. I mean, this, uh, you had the first half, the, the, the Mets were looking great. We thought they might do something. The second half comes, and the Mets decided to take a vacation. They're now four and twenty-one at home. You know, over their their last twenty-five games, and they are they're an absolute joke as far as I'm concerned. So, g- give us your your take. If you, I mean, are you are you optimistic, or are you just as negative as us? Um, I have to say, I was optimistic until about maybe a week or two ago when we were when we were I think it was like eight games out of the wild card I was right. so optimistic I said we can do right before the Cardinals series I said we can do this we can you know take a couple games from the Cardinals move ourselves up in the standing you know and we can do this and then we didn't do it and then we got worse <laughs> and then we got worse and then we got worse after that so My I Lord. really have no more optimism. <laughs> I think it's done. And then when we lost on 9-11 and Dickie didn't get a 19th win, I'm I'm so done. I will still watch the game, though. I don't know why I'm saying I'm done. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're it sounds like you're a better fan than us. And I know that people may rip us. People can say whatever they want. But the truth is, is as uh, and we're all about the same age here. Uh, as long-suffering Mets fans as as Joe and I are specifically. I'm too young to remember 1986. All I've ever seen is the Mets lose. I see a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of younger fans, people that I interact with, and I think they're all they're all you know loyal fans. But with me, I just I don't have any reason for optimism. When I look at this team for next year, I know Joe will agree. There, there's not much opt- there's not much room for me to say, hey, the, the Mets are going to be good. They have way too many holes. I mean, give me your take. What do you think? Are we looking at another garbage season next year? Like I would say, or I mean, do you have any optimism for next year? I'm I'm with you. I don't see what what uh, Sandy can do or Jeff can do to fill all of these holes. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, Jeff needs to sell the team, Laura. Laura, I, I, something. Michelle. I don't know. I mean, Michelle. how are you gonna? I mean, you need three. I'm sorry. What? No, sorry, Joe. Joe just uh, called you the wrong name by mistake. Uh, you were saying? Yeah, I'm suddenly oh. I called you uh, Laura. <laughs> no, I mean like we need like three outfielders. We need uh we don't need a shortstop. We'll be all right. We need a catcher uh, and a bullpen. And fans. We, yeah, we need a bullpen. <laughs> we need a starting pitcher. You know, 
We need a couple starting pitchers. We need a closer. Well, if you, if, I mean, if you look at the team, Michelle, honestly, the Mets need an entirely. They need five new people in the bullpen. They need a new catcher. Josh totally stinks. They need three new outfielders. You're talking. You're talking right there. Nine people. That's that's almost half the team. I mean, basically, you're upwards almost of double digits. And plus their bench isn't all that great either. I mean, the only reason for optimism at all is when you look at the, in some of the individual players, but that's about it. I mean, David Wright was having, as many fans were saying, his MVP, MVP, but he's completely gone silent in the second half of the year. When you look at his stats, he's batting a little over 300, 16 homers or so, uh, 78 or 82 RBI, I forget what it is, but they're, they're, not, they're not great numbers. They really aren't. You know what, he um... – David Wright is a big a big pain point for me. Um, he's an awesome <laughs> player, and I know a lot of people, you know, don't like when people talk about David Wright, but he is an awesome player. He's a good teammate. I, I think he's good, but I don't know if it's something inside his head that goes wrong when there's a, like, he, I just don't think he can get himself out of the funk like other people can, and he can't get himself out of the funk, and it gets worse and worse. The worst, and I think it's more mental. I know, obviously, we know he has the capabilities, and he has the abilities. I think, I think it's the, I think it's more mental for him. I think he, they can't put all the weight. He's not made to have all that weight on his shoulders. And for the well, last need, however need, many years, right? They need guys around him. He, his whole career at the Mets, he's never had any real backup around him. He's not the type of player. He's not Albert Pujols. He's not the type of guy who can carry your entire offense, your entire team, but he'd be a good number two player. Unfortunately, the Mets have no offense. Sir, you were going to say something? I see you giving me dirty looks over yeah, there. I, I, I don't totally disagree with you when you tell me he has no backup. I mean, he had uh, Delgado. He had Beltran on the team. He had Jose Reyes on the team. They had a good lineup. I just don't he, think David Wright is the leader or the cap. Uh, he could be the captain of the team, but he's not the guy that's going to, you know, be the one that they count on all the time. He's a good, He's a great role player. But the bottom line, Michelle, is, and all Met fans, just uh, seriously, I mean, Jeff Wilpon needs to sell the team. When you talk about a salary next year of $98 million and most of that money going into Santana, Dickey, and Wright, then you have a problem. Jason Bay, don't forget about him. Yeah, I don't even consider Jason Bay on my team But anymore. that's a huge part of your, your, huge uh, part. Huge your payroll. Part. Right, so they need to sell the team. They're playing minor league ball in a big, big media market like New York, and I just think that – they're doing disservice to the fans. Let me ask you one last question, Michelle. Have you been to a game recently? I went to one game this year. I normally go to, I don't know, I'd say a handful. Okay. Um, and what, what game was five. it? Was it early on in the season? I went the last game before the All-Star break, and we lost 7 to nothing to the Cubs, and I have not returned since. I spent That is actually when the Mets – that's when the slide started because right after the All-Star game, yeah. they kept going back to that where everything, the wheels fell off. But the truth is that the things, the things kind of uh, fell off because the Mets didn't have the talent. Like Joe said, they were playing with smoke and mirrors. I, I applaud you, Michelle, for going to the game and being optimistic because, like, the first half of the season was a uh, cause for optimism. They were playing good. Uh, they were getting two-out hits, two-out runs. I just think that the wheels fell off, and um, I haven't been to a game for years now. I just can't put money I can't spend my hard money having a family, a wife, and a kid. I cannot spend my money going to see a Mets game and spend it like you, you think that you spend five dollars on a five dollar ticket, it's but you at have least, to pay for parking. It's at least forty to get to the stadium. At least forty. At least forty. So I cannot put my money into a team that doesn't put money out. So uh, until this team either sells or they revamp, 
the whole entire team. Or they blow it up and change the name. Or they change the name, Michelle. I will not be going and spending a dime. I barely watch them on TV as it is. So I definitely applaud you, Michelle. I know. Well, I I thought, you know, that that it was going to be good because they were good in the first half. So I gave them a chance, and I waited a couple months before I went to the game. And I went, and I was so disappointed. They couldn't even <laughs> score a run. Right. And, you know, well, look at them now. Look yeah, at them now. Right. They haven't scored a run at home. Yeah, they haven't scored a run at all. They have the longest stretch in the history of the franchise of scoring less than three runs at home. I think they're at 12 straight games where they haven't scored three runs or more. I mean, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah. I know some of those people that, you know, that are on Twitter, they go to the game still. I, I'm i a loyal, diehard Met fan, but there will be no way in hell <laughs> That hey, Michelle, I would <laughs> go to a game Michelle, now. <laughs> Michelle, just a little tease. Uh, to end the show, we're doing a Day Stink segment, and uh, you pretty much can guess who that Day Stink will be. So uh, tune into the show. Let us know what you think about our new segment called Day Stink. Definitely appreciate your okay. call. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. Thank you so much, Michelle. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Folks, that's the one and only Michelle. She is, she's awesome. I talked to her on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, she's she's uh, great fan of both teams. Um, you know, before we before we uh go any further, I know Josh Eisenberg will be calling in shortly. Let's uh let's take a break. Before we move on with the next part of the show, folks remember you are listening to uh a pure gold uh, uh radio. Hi, this is Morgan Willard, Miss Oklahoma USA two thousand ten. Make sure to check out Pure Gold every week at puregoldpg.com. Dave and Joe always bring the best in entertaining talk radio and great guests like me. I'm Lisa Mateo from the Pix11 Morning News in New York. Make sure you check out Pure Gold every week for the best talk radio around. Hi guys, I'm actress Laura Jean Salerno and you're listening to David and Joe on puregoldpg.com. So relax, put your feet up and listen in. I mean, not on the table because that's just gross. Welcome back, folks. It is Pure Gold. It's Wednesday night, September 12th. The call number is 714-364-4721. We are talking some baseball coming out of the break, sir. We talked about the Mets. I don't know why, but you know we had a, <laughs> a call, so we had to talk about the Mets. But let's talk about the other New York team, the team that seems to be winning one, losing one, winning one, losing one. And I'm not talking about the Mets. I'm talking about the New York Yankees, who are tied in a virtual tie with the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, right behind them are the Tampa Bay Rays. So, sir... The way the Yankees are playing, I don't know, 22 games left. They're playing the Red Sox, a team that was considered dead, uh, left for dead. The, the Red Sox played like they were playing in the playoffs at last, uh, last night and beat the Yankees. Yep. So what do you think? The, the Yankees, are they in trouble or do you think they're going to weather the storm? I think they're in trouble. I think they're in big trouble. Uh, I don't know if they're going to weather the storm, sir, honestly. But uh, you know, when I look at the at the team, when I look at what the hell they're doing, uh, you you got to be. You, if you're a Yankee fan, you have to be worried. There's no way that you can be. Uh, and they do have talent. There's no doubt. The Yankees have a ton of talent, which is what makes their slide so surprising. But if you're a Yankee fan, which thank 
I mean, I can't even say thank God I'm not because hell, I'd rather be a Yankee fan than a Mets fan sometimes. Right. At least they win. But um, you gotta be concerned with this team. I mean, the Baltimore Orioles far inferior in terms of their talent. They're tied with the Yankees for first place, and the Yankees had a ten game lead and they blew it. I mean, that, that's. I mean, if you're not worried, and the pitching staff hasn't all, been all that great, the offense has been pretty much anemic, sir. Uh, the Yankees are in trouble, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, so you have the, the the Red Sox again, a team that Bobby Valentine has lost complete control of. I don't see him surviving this year after this year. Probably be fired. But the the Red Sox are are doing us a favor, us anti-Yankee fans, and being down the Yankees. And sir, the Yankees. Um, do you know? Uh, as an op- if you're an optimistic fan, a Yankee fan, do you know what other two years the Yankees were playing like this down the stretch? Uh, 1998 and. Uh, 2009, <laughs> close on the 1998. It was actually 96 and 2000. The, if you remember the year, the, the year 2000, the Yankees barely made the playoffs. They caught fire and were able to beat the um, the other team, the New York Mets, in the Subway Series in five games. So the Yankees, if they just make the playoffs, you know, you never know what could happen. But I, I'm concerned if I'm a Yankee fan. You had a 10-game lead early on this year. It's been dropped down to nothing. You're battling every single night. Uh, A-Rod is a former show himself. Cano doesn't seem to be like the Cano. Oh, Cano, don't you know? Uh, what's his name? Anderson, uh, Senator, what is it, Garrett Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Garrett Anderson, exactly. If you're an idiot. Who the hell are you talking about? Curtis Granderson. Curtis Granderson and, and Garrett Anderson, who are, happen to be brothers, by the way. This team is just getting old. Teixeira is washed. He's not washed up, but he's getting no, hurt left and right. Uh, they have no catcher. Their starting pitching is in disarray. They're relying on Andy Pettit to come back. Yeah, they can take Josh Cohen if they want. We'll give him up for a bag of balls and uh, a hot dog at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so, it, it, I mean, it, it doesn't pain me one bit to see the Yankees struggle to make the playoffs. They, a team that has, uh, quote-unquote, unlimited resources uh, just doesn't have it this year. I think that it would be great to see the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays both make the playoffs and the Yankees on the outside looking in because that would be pure gold, sir. That would be pure pure scum indeed. And I'm sure there's Yankee fans ready to jump off the cliff. But see, here's my thing. If you're a Yankee fan, you've become so accustomed to winning that I get uh, it, it'll be difficult for you. But let's be honest. I mean, it's one year. And, and again, I know it sounds ignorant, Concerned about that, I'd love to have one year, but it's just the one year. I mean, are you gonna fire uh, Joe Torre? I mean, uh, are you gonna fire what's it, what the hell is that guy Joe Girardi who's been going nuts on uh, you know reporters and stuff like that? I mean, you can't really you can't really fire him because of that. But then again, you didn't make the playoffs, playoffs, and you're the Yankees. But yeah. you know, we're gonna have to shift gears here for a second as we introduce our guest uh, for the evening. And before we do, we'd like to play a little uh, audio clip. For you. This is Josh Eisenberg from ChairShot Reality on WrestleZone.com. Tune in each week to Pure Gold Radio with Dave and Joe as they talk about professional wrestling, music, movies, whatever's on your mind, they'll get to it. Pure Gold Radio, Dave and Joe, the best out there, laying the smackdown each week. That's Pure Gold Radio. Folks, we are proud and privileged to be joined by about the 85th time for Mr. Josh Eisenberg, co-host extraordinaire of ChairShot Reality on WrestleZone.com. Josh, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm fantastic, guys. Thanks, as always, for having me on. look forward to uh, getting some good topics here, man. Week of uh, Night of Champions coming up on Sunday. I'm excited. Definitely. Uh, now, first, uh, l- let me ask you the most important pressing question here. Uh, what did you have for dinner? Because I know you went out to dinner with your dad, so, uh, I mean, everyone wants to know about that. 
I had a uh, side salad and a grilled chicken sandwich. So uh, kind of uh, keeping it healthy, you know. I, to, I had to shed the weight, man. You, you, you can't be, you know, I can't uh, gain more weight now. I got to you know, went to the gym, so if I go to the gym and then I eat like you know pizza and everything, it doesn't really do anything for me. I'm a big no, guy anyway. Like, so. I that's definitely a, a good point there, Josh. No, but seriously, the main thing we want to talk to you about this evening is something that you tweeted about that I found fascinating, and I know that you and Justin talked about this for like an hour on your show. Triple H got a haircut. <laughs> I am not even commenting on that garbage. That absolute, that's not news. He's a, so He's, He's a corporate champion. He's a corporate minister. <laughs> now he has to look good. I guess he has to look apart now that, that you know that he's not in the ring all the time. So he has to cut the hair. Nobody likes a guy with long hair anyway. I mean, this isn't the '90s, so I guess I can understand it. Yeah. No, but seriously, Josh, uh, we are we're the first thing we do have to talk about. Kind of get that out of the way. Um, Jerry Lawler, uh, a scary situation happened to to him on Monday. I actually wasn't watching Raw, and I was thinking to myself, you know, this is before we got you on. I was thinking, you know, whenever we do have uh, Josh on, I talk to him. About the whole situation, I know that for what you do on WrestleZone, you you know you gotta watch it all the time. You 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 do your title this, you do talk about Impact, you talk about Raw. We cover it uh, when it's necessary, but we have so many other things to discuss on the show. So I really haven't been watching as closely as I normally do. I always read the spoilers, I always check stuff out. But what happened to Jerry, I found out because of the magic of Twitter, and uh, I tuned in immediately. Something was up, you could tell. Give us your thoughts on that if you could. Well, I mean, it was a surreal moment. Um, the first thought that I had, as soon as I saw um, what had happened, you could tell the crowd stood up. They were looking over at the table. They were, you know, something happened. And you could see in the corner of your TV screen, whenever they had the hard camera shot of the ring, that Waller was kind of grabbing at the table, looked like he was trying to keep himself from falling over. Well, you know, it was just so surreal because it's something that you never really see, and that's, you know, the good and bad of live television. You know what I mean? The good things are that you see professional wrestling, you see the misses, the mistakes, but this is just something that was, you know, completely unexpected. And, you know, the biggest thing that really upset me was afterwards, everybody is praising Michael Cole. Um, you know, like, oh, wow, I gained a lot of respect for Michael Cole for what he did. Yeah, what he did was unbelievable. He did a great job. But this is a guy who knows what he's doing. He's gaining respect because he made a situation the way it should have been handled. And then you find out, you know, Vince McMahon basically told him everything that he should have said. I, I, I don't understand how you immediately gain respect for somebody like that. He's doing his job, and he did it in a professional manner. But it's just that was the one thing that really irked me. You should have respect for a guy doing his job even before something, a crisis situation like this happened. Nonetheless, though, I'm, you know, the show had to go on. Um, you know, I understand that. I, I enjoyed the fact that they didn't announce after, you know, after the next match. They said, you know, and, and you know, for his respects, we're not going to announce anymore. They handled the appropriate way. And, you know, your thoughts on Perez Grotha, somebody like this, this just reminded me of Owen Hart's tragedy, how, um, you know, that was handled. And a really, um, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, if you invest any of your time personally or professionally to this, um, you, you had that irk in your stomach that, you know, this is, this is serious. Josh, did, um, do you think that the WWE handled it uh, correctly? I mean, I, I felt it was kind of um... – putting Cole in a spot there, leaving him there not to say anything and then just give updates. I mean, uh, Cole 
must be a good friend of Jerry Lawler's. You, you'd think that he'd want to go see how he's doing and have somebody just provide updates. Uh, considering it's live, I understand that you had to make decisions on the fly, but do you think that Vince overall handled the, the situation correctly? I think they did. Um, I, I think they did handle it correctly, and they did the best of their abilities to get information out as soon as they had it. Um, they, that, that was the biggest thing. You had to have Michael Cole there to tell people at home what's going on because, I mean, quite frankly, social media helps, yes, but you need to see a face. I mean, this is Jerry Lawler, a guy that everybody has been such a big uh, fan of, and, and, you know, it really showed a lot of letting Michael Cole, who has been notorious on, on, on bashing the king for months, even, you know, back to WrestleMania 27, really. Um, oh, you got to show... Yeah, you got the show. Don't remind me. I know. You got the you got the show the, the real life personality of Michael Cole, and I think that's something that helped it. And they definitely handled it correctly. You can't cancel a show, and uh, you know you can't just say you know what it's ten thirty eight. Um, we're just gonna stop airing airing this. You got to go on. You know, if you're gonna go on when Owen Hart passed away, you got to go on in something in this situation as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. See, what gets me, and, and it's a little similar to what you said, but a little bit different. When people are praising Michael Cole from, you know, handling it in tough situation, and he did a good job, I mean, they have respect for him. You know, I've always, and this is me, I hate the personality that they try to give Cole, but I think when he's being a straight commentator, I think he's really he's good, actually. I mean, he, yeah. he's not Jim Ross. He's, you know, he's not king in his prime, but he's, he's good. I, I think if you think, if anybody thinks that he sucks, you're a moron. He plays a character on TV, but when he's just being Michael Cole calling in-ring action, he's good. But even if he had lost it, King is obviously, you, you have to figure these guys are good friends in real life because they spend so much time together. Even if he hadn't been able to go on, I mean, I wouldn't have lost any respect for him. I wouldn't have said, oh, Michael Cole is this and that. And, and that's the issue that I have. They make it seem like because he handled himself professionally, quote-unquote, it's a real-life situation. What if, if Jerry had died there and, and his rotting yeah. corpse is sitting next to him? You know, thank God he's okay. But what if he died on the spot? I mean, and Michael had lost it. You lose respect for the guy because the guy doesn't handle it as a quote-unquote professional? That, that, that annoys me personally. Mm. Sure, no, I, I completely understand that, and I agree. I mean, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to to keep the show going. He's the voice of the WWE. Like, he, he is the voice. This is, you know, and it's funny because I think people gain more respect because when he stopped announcing, there was a drop-off. You weren't as invested. I think people really gained a lot of respect, and, um, you know, just because they realized how good he was after they didn't hear him for 25 minutes, if that makes any sense. Right. And Josh, I mean, when you when you see when you see what happened this past Monday to Jerry Lawler, you know, so many different flashbacks come uh, back to you, like especially with the night Owen Hart died in the ring. Um, that was a a really surreal moment in terms of wrestling. Um, you know, the night that we found out that Chris Benoit had died, that was another surreal moment. Uh, thank God for Jerry Lawler that he's uh, okay. Um, would you think that Jerry Lawler now is going to be out for at least? six to ten months, and who do you think is a good color guy for to replace him? I don't know, man. That's tough. You know, um, I think he's going to be out for a little while. I don't think you can bring him back. Uh, when you do bring him back, he will obviously get his seat right back at the announcer's table. I think that's, you know, obvious, an obvious reason. I think Josh Matthews gets it. Um, you know, um, I work for a radio station in Pittsburgh, and um, one of the guys that we recently had is Jack Corpella who used to do superstars and NXT. And I've oh, wow. Gotten yeah, I've gotten to talk to him a lot, um, you know, uh, being able to produce his show that he does some uh, sports updates and stuff for, for the fan here in Pittsburgh. Um, he told me, he said, you know, 
as soon as something happens, this was months ago, as soon as something happens, Josh Matthews is going to step right in. This is the guy that they've been grooming for years, and he is actually kind of the pet of Michael Cole. Michael Cole is kind of grooming him to be the next Michael Cole, so to say, because, you know, Cole's not going to be there forever. You know, he's right. still at a very, not a young age, but, you know, he's a middle-aged guy, but you see, you know, Jim Ross there until he's, you know, well into his 50s and then and everything. Uh, Josh Matthews will probably fit right in, you know, and is that the right decision? I'm not sure if it's the right decision because him and Michael Cole are very similar on the announcer right. field. That's why they had to bring Booker T in for a little bit to kind of give you that street smart, that, you know, professional wrestling back. If I had a choice, I'd bring JBL, who has, you know, very comfortable in that role. Him and Michael Absolutely. Cole, I mean, look at WrestleMania 23 in Detroit. They were fantastic. They were fantastic together. The chemistry's there, and that would be a very easy adaptation to bring somebody like that in, even if it's, even if it's for the time being. No, you're right. And the interesting thing about all that is uh, I think JBL would be great. And I listen to Justin's show uh, pretty much on a, on a weekly basis, uh, you know, when I get the chance at work. And he was talking, and some people were saying, I don't remember Justin, if this was his opinion, but uh, he was saying that bringing JBL may not be a good idea because people think they're permanently replacing Cole. Uh, King, I mean, and the reason I disagree with that is because when when uh, King comes back, you could probably get JBL to slot in there and wrestle a couple matches, feud, and if not, if he has no interest in wrestling, he's a great personality, move him over to SmackDown. I mean, the SmackDown now team sucks. You know, Cole is there, whatever. You could even replace Cole, have him on one show. We really don't need to see Cole on both shows. And if JBL came on Raw to replace, um, you know, King, which he's never done, he's never really done the announcing on Raw, I think it would be good for the short term, and then you just shift him over to SmackDown, and, you know, your, your problem solved with the announcing, and nope, it's not like they're bringing him in, and they can never bring back uh, Lawler. Yeah, I agree, and I think the traditional way is uh, Jerry Lawler with, you know, Jim Ross, Michael Cole, whoever you want on Raw, and then SmackDown's always been that B-show. I mean, look, you've had Darman, Coach, you've had Todd Grisham, you've had everybody else that works at ESPN now. I mean, you've had all these guys kind of filling on SmackDown's announcer's table, so that would be an easy way to do it. I think that's the best way to do it. It might not be this week or next week, a couple of weeks maybe, you know. But I do expect Lawler to take maybe two, three, four months off. I mean, this is not just, you know, uh, an everyday occurrence. This is something serious. This is something that they're really going to take precaution with. And putting him back on the announcer's table in a couple of weeks or a month, even if he's saying he's healthy, which, I mean, the guy doesn't drink. The guy doesn't smoke. The guy doesn't really have a lifestyle. He's in great shape for 62 years old. You've got to be careful to bring him back in any in any manner. Right, and this Sunday uh, is the pay-per-view night of champions. Uh, just want to segue to that, sir, Josh, and uh, ask you. It seems like the whole they're playing this whole angle with CM Punk and John Cena about this whole respect angle. The one thing that me and DG have been harping on since the show started way back when is the fact that the <laughs> don't kill me with this one, Josh, but the WWE title is Cena's custom belt. What better way to drop a pipe bomb? And just change that belt and say, you know what, Cena, we're not going to use your custom belt anymore. We're going to use this belt, my belt. You know, I think that's the perfect way to end this storyline. I think that Punk is going to be the champion for the calendar year of 2012. Give me your take on both, and then I'll hit you on the uh, other main event. Yeah, um, I think that you're absolutely right. This should have been done, I would say this should have been done probably at SummerSlam or even before SummerSlam. Uh, yep. With their triple threat match, there needs to be a new title. I mean, this is John Cena's belt, and it has been. And if you take the belt out of the picture, then you take the face of John Cena out of the picture, which is not a bad thing, mind you, right. because no matter if John Cena wins or loses, he's never going to be harmed because he is the it guy. He's the Hulk Hogan of this generation. He is the Rock Stone Cold of the generation. He's the main guy. As big as CM Punk will ever get, it's still not going to be bigger than John Cena. So if you bring a new championship belt in, maybe not a custom CM Punk belt, 
but just another model of a belt. It kind of right. gives you the idea, okay, they're moving on from this whole Cena thing, but you still know Cena's going to win that belt back sometime. And um, right. for the other question about, you know, the, the whole respect thing, um, I like the angle. I, I think it's really – it's not going to culminate in the champions. Um, you know, my prediction, I, I think Punk's going to escape with a victory somehow. you got to have this – continuing on, and Punk will hold the title, in my opinion, for the calendar year, because I do see him and The Rock at Royal Rumble fighting. Um, what's the point of having Cena Rock at, at Royal Rumble? I mean, you're going to rehash the, you know, when Rock faced Hogan for the second time at No Way Out, you know, nine or ten months after they fought at WrestleMania uh, 18. Right. Really didn't do anything. So if you bring CM Punk and The Rock, which I think The Rock will win at Royal Rumble, you're really establishing Punk is not just a guy that's right below John Cena, but in the company's eyes, they see him as the it guy, and they can put him in any feud. And quite frankly, any feud that he's been in has been average or above average. I mean, it's not been a memorable feud that you'll, you know, like like a Michael Jericho that a lot of people remember that, um, or even, you know, a more high marquee feud, um, you know, like Cena and The Rock for a whole year. But Punk has been solid. He hasn't been the ratings booster, but he's been solid as champion. And right now, with the talent that they have, there's really no other option better to hold the championship than CM Punk. No, I agree with you, Josh. And uh, we're talking to Josh Eisenberg from WrestleZone.com. Josh, looking at the W, uh, the World Heavyweight Title, um, to me, it's uh, gotten way too stale. I don't understand the whole Albert Del Rio gets a title shot after title shot after title shot. Boring TV. It's a boring storyline. Um, it's just a shame that there's probably no way out there. You can't really trust Randy Orton, especially coming back from suspension. Is there? Are you interested at all at this whole Albert Del Rio gets a title shot uh, every single month? It seems. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I have not been a fan of this storyline ever since you know it kind of stalled at No Way Out. Whenever Del Rio was had a concussion, what are they gonna do? They throw Ziggler in there. The biggest thing that I have a problem with this storyline, and they're trying to do it now, but in my opinion, it's too late. There, should, there needs to be some personal reason between the two. You, know, you right. feel like there's not really a backstory besides Alberto Doria's destiny has become the champion. Well, he already did that. You know, he's not really growing. His character development is very slow. He's being the same guy. How can you take a heel that comes out with a scarf, with this like, blaring music in these cars? You're yeah. not going to immediately hate the guy. He's not going to be this heel that you continuously boo. And the one thing that really bothers me um, about the entire feud, it has never been just Alberto Del Rio versus Sheamus. It was Alberto. Del, it was uh, Ricardo Rodriguez versus Sheamus, and then right. it was David Otunga versus Sheamus. Where is the actual personal connection between Del Rio and Sheamus? I just, it, it really bothers me that they're spending more time with Otunga and Sheamus on TV. And look at this past Monday's Raw, guys. I mean, you saw Del Rio win a quick match. No sight of Sheamus in that segment. You see Sheamus win a quick match. No sight of Del Rio in that segment. What's the point of them being in a world championship opponents if you're not going to see them attack each other each week? It doesn't make sense to me. No, I agree with you. And the truth is, the, the sad part of the whole situation is that what she said, when you look at Sheamus, when you look at Del Rio, their feud has just not been – it's been going on what seems like forever. This is like the fifth title shot that Del Rio has gotten, but it just hasn't been epic. It hasn't – I like Sheamus personally, but I just don't think – I think that Del Rio, you know, the WWE messed him up. I really thought when he won the World Rumble, I thought he was he was on top of the world, and it seems like he's gone down the toilet ever since, so I don't think that there's a there's any way to really salvage the Del Rio character at this point, and his feud with Sheamus – well, Monday was funny with the uh, with the whole Otunga and uh, and uh, what's his face Ricardo Rodriguez, but like you mentioned, you know what? There's no there was no 
uh, interaction with Del Rio. What was the point? So I, I don't see where this is going, but of course you got to figure that uh, Mr. Uh, you know, you got to figure that Sheamus is going to win at Night of Champions and move on from there. Yeah, he's going to win at Night of Champions. I can't see a reason Del Rio um, or uh, Del Rio wins the title. Um, and I agree with you guys. I mean, Del Rio is at a point now where nobody is buying his character. Because month after month he continues to lose, and then he continues to get help from a ring announcer who people just see as a comedy act. That's pretty much all that Ricardo is doing for Del Rio. I can honestly see Del Rio thriving more as a face, um, kind of like an Eddie Guerrero kind of cheating to win type deal, where he can use the, the comedic relief from Ricardo Rodriguez and kind of make him more popular with the crowd. He's a good wrestler, no doubt about it. His character, just not believable. Right. And Josh, final topic from us as we're winding down our show here. I uh, just want to talk about the, the the rumors that I'm hearing, and tell me if you've heard them too, about the the, the fact that um, the general managers, both AJ and Booker, are just not, um, I don't know if they're not working out or there's a whole plan that Vince wants to bring in a general manager, a more legit general manager. What's that storyline about? Well, I think um, the A.J. Lee was a last-ditch effort to put her as general manager for Raw 1000. Let's face it, she was the most popular thing going. Um, and it's funny because she did such a great job with her character. You know, she really did do a really uh, solid job with being that crazy girl. But now that she's holding power, does anybody really buy her making matches, um, you know, making nope. just pay-per-view main event? Nobody, nobody buys it because – the only females that could ever get over in the general manager position are with last names of McMahon, Linda and Stephanie. Even Linda, not so much obviously now, but you know, I'd say maybe 10 years ago we could buy it because we do know how much power she held. But Stephanie McMahon is really the only powerful female that has ever, you know, Vicky, obviously good. But if you're making matches, if you're having believability with this general manager angle, which a lot of people say is, is being run dry anyway, you got to have – Stephanie McMahon, or we got to have somebody come back. I mean, there's been rumors of Ric Flair. Um, my personal opinion, and this is just kind of a shot in the dark, kind of looking at things, um, you know, I do think Survivor Series is a perfect opportunity for the revelation of a new general manager. And here's my proposal, if I'm putting on my creative booking hat, why not have a Paul Heyman team versus a Vince McMahon team? Why not have Andy awesome. Lesnar versus Triple H and John Cena? If Heyman's team can win, Heyman controls the shows. That's what everybody wants, and that's probably the best logical option to have is, is uh, Paul Heyman running the company as a general manager and have him and Vince kind of feud back and forth because, quite frankly, their chemistry is fantastic. We know the back history. We know the realistic line that they try to cross each time that they are, are on screen together. That would be better than anything else that they can come up with, even Ric Flair, who I'm not a big fan of coming back as a general manager. Well, Flair in a position of power when WCW, whatever situation you want to look at, he was never all that great. Anyway, I think that'd be a great idea. I know Joe was giving it the thumbs up when you were discussing it. Um, they missed a chance, I think, to bring the Dudleys in here because their contracts had just expired with TNA. That would have been great to see them in the WWE programming just to be, quote-unquote, Paul Heyman guys. I'm not sure who else would be a Paul Heyman guy, but... Uh, you know, we could always see from there, but I'd love to see that type of thing happen because I love Booker. He's not a great GM. I agree with you 110%. AJ, she's cute. You know, she's from she's from uh, my wife's hometown. I, I love that. But other than that, you know, she's not a great personality. I know Joe went nuts about it. He was foaming his mouth like a rabid dog, but uh, totally agree. I don't think AJ is all that great, so you do need to get them both out of power, I think. And Paul Heyman running the shows, that would be pure gold. Yeah, absolutely, just like you guys. 
Yeah, <laughs> Josh, we definitely got to have you on again uh, because uh, one last thought, and this is completely that just came to my head right now before we let you go. I just love the fact that uh, I watch TNA on Thursday nights. I watch Impact. Uh, I just love the fact how they build this whole like year uh, long. Not year long, but they start about six months before this Bound for Glory series on how one person's life will change, and they get this title shot after you win uh, so many different types of matches. You get points and everything, and the the funny thing is, right after the Bound for Glory series, is they'll name just a number one, a number one contender that didn't have to go through six months of hell just to get that title shot. It's just crazy that the the logic gap there is just uh, it's just so crazy. I understand that you want to win the Bound for Glory series to get a title shot, but then again, next month, if you don't win, hey, somebody else is going to get a title shot. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You go through six months just to get one match. I mean, I, I, I from, the, from the very beginning, when I looked at the talent pool, the two guys that honestly stood out in my mind, and I'm not just saying this because they fought each other, was Bully Ray, who has resurrected his entire career, and Jeff right. Hardy, who needs to prove that he can stay out of trouble, stay out of the drugs, stay out of, you know, the epic, the, the, the big failure that he had previously with TNA. He needed to show a pattern of consistency, and that's what he did with the company. That's why he won. The match was going to be great with him and Aries, two fantastic athletes. Um, you know, in my opinion, Aries, is, Aries and Rude are two of the top five professional wrestlers right now in the world, uh, let alone just in TNA and WWE in the world. Um, but you do see the whole Bound for Glory series not really make much sense because you have – Robbie E., who nobody even believes is going to win. Then you have the Pope. You have all these guys that you know they're going to lose consistently. Um, I think for next year, they need to tweak it. They need to tweak the scoring system and maybe not have such a long period or so many matches because then it devalues the matches that we see from Impact Live, which we see great Kurt Angle, AJ Styles matches that should kind of be held off until pay-per-view matches. No, you know, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, as far as the whole the whole TNA thing goes, um, one thing, one thing that I just think is so awful is this whole aces and eights thing. I mean, first of all, what kind of a moron comes up with the name aces and eights? It doesn't even roll off the tongue. They could have called it the moose turds, and that would have sounded better than this idiotic name that some some schmuck comes up with. And then I get they got Luke Gallows, and they just signed him. He was under the mask, et cetera, et cetera. I've read online that the, they, they weren't even sure what the hell, who was going to be the, the people under underneath the mask. I just don't get it. What's the point? Uh, some some gang that nobody's ever heard of with a terrible name is going after Sting and Hogan? I mean, what's, what's the point of all that? Guys who can't yeah, even wrestle anymore for the most part. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me either. It's interesting. Uh, I'll give it that because you're not sure what's going to happen. But the funny thing is you can tell that TNA doesn't have any idea what's going to happen either. Um, and that's the funniest part, I think, of the whole thing. The one problem that I have with it is they have focused on that more than they focus on the TNA heavyweight champion, Austin Aries, which right. is problem number one. Problem number two is you have all these guys who are not going to be with the company after this whole angle is over. I mean, they have like 10 or 15 guys at one time. These guys are, aren't all going to get contracts. There's going to be maybe two or three guys that get kicked out of this group that are leading, you know, that are leading the charge of those Luke Gallows, whoever they want to have with it. But you have these guys control the main event of, you know, impact, and they're building a storyline around them. Yet, they're not going to be there in a couple months. And guys like Anderson, RVD, established guys that still have a lot to offer to that company aren't being used on a weekly basis. That was my biggest issue. Right. You know, when you look at Anderson, I mean, he pretty much has fallen off the face of the earth when it comes to, to TNA. And I know that, you, that uh, if I'm not mistaken, you and I, you're a fan of his. 
Um, your partner is not, but uh, I've, I always thought that he had so much potential, and he has done absolutely nothing in TNA. He was champ for like two weeks, and you know he he literally he habitually is off the air, you know, on a, on a regular basis. So I don't even understand what the point of having him in the programming is. Yeah, I mean, Lamar actually loves um, he, he loves uh, Anderson more than I do, but I, I've always been a fan of his. I've always seen some potential in him, but at the same time, you look at him and what is he lacking? He's lacking size. He has great mic work. He just doesn't have that big look. You know what I mean? He just doesn't have that that marketable look. And I mean, they dropped the ball on him. He was a good talent there to be. Um, he could have he could have done a Christian where he went to TNA for two or three years, really rolled that company, and then come back, kind of reestablishing self, reestablishing himself to the WWE universe. But they have not just had any luck with Anderson. And I don't think it's his fault. But I also have to give him a little bit of blame because it is it is his character that he's had for such a long time. Right. Josh, last question for me. Do you think the WWE product <laughs> will be around in ten years? The, the WWE product? Uh, I, I mean, it'll be around, but do you think it'll be a uh, a just a smaller product of what it is? I, I just you know ratings deteriorate all the time. Uh, the product, the storyline is 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 okay at best. I, I just think that uh, ten years from now we might be looking at a smaller company in general. Um, I think the biggest problem it'll still be around in ten years. I mean they've fought through everything. I mean television rights, pay per views, uh, steroid issues, the Benoit tragedy, WCW, ECW. Um, they're still going to be around because quite frankly they're too good to be. They're, they're too marketable uh, from all aspects. You go from a kid's show, then you go from the Attitude Era back down to the kid's show, and now we have this PG that's kind of uh, you know catering to all needs. There's some good things that people of our age like, and then they also have you know the Saturday Morning Slam program, which might not be the best program in the world, but it caters right. towards kids. They're hitting all demographics in a different way, and that's why they're still going to be around. I think the biggest one, I agree with uh, Lamar, we talk about this all the time, one of the biggest mistakes that they have was when they become a publicly traded company. That right. was the biggest because then they have to kind of, you know, tone back some of their ideas, and that ultimately has hurt the hurt the product overall, and it obviously hurts their competition as well. No, I, I agree with that. I think well, another big mistake is these, and the reason that I think they I don't know if they're going to be around is, is all the money that they're losing on these horrible movies that they keep making. Why Vince is obsessed with making terrible wrestling movies that nobody watches, I have no idea. Uh, but listen, uh, you know, Josh, of course, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe we can have you on again soon to discuss the aftermath of the United Champions. Hopefully you'll be right, and I, I totally am on board with you, although I think Punk is a bit of a sellout for some comments that he made, um, you know, with the whole AW thing. But uh, I do, I would like him to keep the title for the entire 2012 calendar year. And he has tweeted and put on, on you know, another title. So hopefully that will come out soon enough. And, again, Josh, uh, pleasure. Hopefully we'll have you on soon. You got it, guys. Anytime you need me to come on, man, I appreciate always talking to you guys. And thanks a lot. Take care. You too. Folks, the one and only Josh Eisenberg from WrestleZone.com. As we finish out the show, Mr. Uh, Mr. Buccino, i got a little soundbite to play for those of you out there at home listening. Uh, and here we go with the newest segment of Pure Gold. Please stink! One more time. Let's do it one more time. Please stink! <laughs> That's right, folks. It's Pure Gold Presents They Stink, a segment where we pick a person or a group of people 
to say that they stink. And, sir, what better way to have introduced this segment than the Mets organization? Good God, what were they thinking? We talked about this earlier in the year, but they decided to honor a foe, a nemesis, a heel in the Mets side for the last, what, 15 years, Chipper Riley Jones at City Field. I cannot believe a team that I like is honoring the opposing oppo- the opposing uh, nemesis, the heel, if you will. Larry Jones gets honored at City Field. This team, this organization is so run backwards, it is not even funny. They stink, sir. Uh, I, mean, I don't even know what to add to that. I, the, the Chipper Jones thing is a disgrace. It's a joke. You know, as a matter of fact, one of the girls that I follow on Twitter and that I communicate with on a regular basis, Heather Nicole, interesting character that she is, Chipper, she called Chipper Jones, uh, what, what's the word? She used a little colorful language with him, and, uh, you know, then he responds to her. She says, oh, yeah, nice mouth. And people started taking it literally and going nuts. And really, I mean, you know, Larry Chipper Jones actually responded to her. And uh, she was going nuts on him, Mets fans. Then you have Braves fans coming to his defense, calling her a whore and calling her a slut and all these terrible, despicable names, which shows you the kind of scum that the Braves organization and, and their fans uh, have become. Now, I've never hated Larry Jones. He's a Hall of Famer, I, would, I think. But, um, I, you know, I never hated him personally, but as a, as a fan of the Mets, I've always hated him. I think it's an absolute joke, a disgrace. When the hell? Have you ever seen the New York Yankees? I mean, are the Yankees going to go out there and honor, uh, you know, I don't even know who the hell. I'm trying to think of, 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 a, of a Yankee nemesis, considering that everybody ends up there somehow. But, I mean, are, are they going to go out there and honor Ted Williams, you know, when Ted Williams is playing? Could you ever imagine a, a Ted Williams shrine? Let's have Ted Williams night at Yankee Stadium. Hell no, because George Steinbrenner would have would have crapped his pants. He would have got nuts. He would have screamed. He would have cursed on anybody and everybody. He would have told it like it is because George is quite possibly the greatest sports franchise of all time because he was all about the money. He was all about winning. Gone, of course, uh, you know, much respect to George, even though it was a total psycho. But George would have not stood up for that crap, and he would have never had uh, a Chipper Jones day if he was running the New York Mets. And that's why this team is a disgrace. You have a Jackie Robinson rotunda, and no disrespect to Jackie Robinson, but he wasn't a Met. He never played for, for the Mets. He never played in quit. What do you have to say in there for? Why is there a Jackie Robinson rotunda? Can you explain this to me? Can you explain why there was a Chipper Jones day? Somebody tell me the Mets. Extraordinaire. We, of course, you could check her out on. Uh, you could check her out on, uh, you know, iTunes, etc., etc. Um, you just, you know, there's a possibility we may have missed New Jersey 2011. Brielle Lacosta. She couldn't come on tonight because, of course, the 9/11 memorial that was yesterday. Her father and her uncle were were involved in it in, in some capacity. So uh, they asked her last minute to speak, which, of course, that would take precedence. Again, 9/11 having happened uh, yesterday, but. You know, absolutely. We'll hopefully have both of them on. We'll have a great show for you lined up. Check us out. PureGoPG.com, the website, the greatest show ever. Folks, have a wonderful evening. And for JB, this is DG, a.k.a. Dave G, reminding you to always uh, keep up? it. Uh, pure gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. Good night, everyone.
And thanks to Josh Eisenberg of CareShotRealityWrestleZone.com for joining us. Woo! Next week, same time, same station.